0: You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams.
1: It's Friday, so it's time for the Weekly Wrap, and with me this week is Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective, who's going to look back at the week, although he's only been back a couple of days. I'm sure he's been looking at it from afar, the market action that is, and also looking forward with his ideas for 2020. Graham, the week that's gone by has been an incredibly volatile week, little moments in time with gold going above 1600 and then falling back about 50 or $60, maybe even more, oil price swinging 9% in 36 hours, all sorts of things going on overseas. In South Africa, business yeah. as usual, I think. When I say business as usual, pretty anemic stuff.
0: Yeah, so I think you, you're absolutely right. Some of the big caps um, who tend to take their cue from global markets and global developments and geopolitics more than the rest of, the rest of it say, um, Have had quite wild swings, um, <clears throat> but generally, you're absolutely right. I mean, I, as you rightly say, I you know I kept an eye on the markets while I was was away, and, and and until I returned, it it was surreal to see how many of those share prices, many of the small caps as well, you know, had hardly moved at all from from where I'd left. A bit of volatility, but I think what you what you said in the introduction, I think, is 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 probably the theme for 2020, uh, Lindsay. I think. There's a lot of negativity and nervousness around in in South Africa. Anything sort of with an SA uh, bias. Um, internationally, we you get the feeling that that the things are starting to get a little bit tense. You know, the the unilateral action in, in by Trump in in Iran, for example, created maybe new geo risks that that weren't really there maybe a month ago, um, but generally I think the world is is grappling with things like impeachment, how Brexit is actually going to happen. Looks as though Boris Johnson finally managed to, to you know pull off the miracle and actually get something through Parliament. But yeah, just generally, Lindsay, coming into 2020, when I look at the world, I, I feel a little uncomfortable. I, I see U.S. markets in, in record territory. Um, we're looking at an S and P 500 that, even if all the all the, the the forecasts are correct, and we we're sitting on, you know, let's call it a 19 forward give or take on the S and P 500. You know, that's a hell of a lot higher than the long run average, um, and you just sort of get the feeling that. Um, Bigger, bigger fool theories live and well in global markets. Um, I think a lot of people taking a lot of comfort from the fact that the Fed will, in, in inverted commas, do the right thing and keep the party going. But, um, I must be honest, when I look at the US and I'm, I'm a little bit anxious, I think valuations are stretched, I think there's a lot of sort of straight line thinking, and um. Yeah, I think that 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 economy in those markets could actually cause a little bit of an upset, and as we've seen in the last while, um, you know, more contrarian investors would be looking. For example, have been looking over the last while at um, let's say what's happening in. In European markets, and they're looking a, a lot better, the valuations are also looking more compelling. So you, you sort of get the feeling that 2020 is not going to be a carbon copy of the previous four or five years where it was a case of close your eyes, buy the U.S. markets, and, uh, and kind of ignore everything else. I think that that theme is getting very tired and it's vulnerable. Um, and then yeah, I think from an SA point of view, as I said, lots of negativity, lots of concerns about where this economy is going. Uh, But as we've discussed the last year, We're seeing quite a a significant value build-up. And not everything we're punting is just sort of, you know, lunatic fringe SA Inc. stocks. You're getting some really good companies like an Aspen or a a Discovery, for example, that have got very strong and growing emerging market and and, and global market uh, presence and, and earning streams, also looking quite compelling. So I think this is very much, as I said probably last year, this time, and the year before. It's a stock picker's market, but I think, Betting on on the S and P uh, doing another ten percent this year, and betting on the RAN going you know markedly weaker, and assuming that SA Inc. equity SA equity market is going to have another dud year, I think those are those are dangerous assumptions. If anything, I'm feeling a little bit more confident about some of the stock picking opportunities in sa than i am in in the us markets for example
1: you say that it's looking a little bit tired but how many months and maybe even years have we been, we've been saying that because i'm looking at my s and p five hundred screen now we, as we pre record this at noon south african time thirty two eighty three up another 0.2%, all-time record highs if it opens here or if the real market opens here after the non-farm payrolls yep. data which comes out for the for the month of January in just a few hours' time. Yeah, we keep on saying yep. this, and it's had every opportunity to go down, every opportunity to go down, whether it be the Fed, whether it be macro, whether it be um, Trump, whatever – and it does go down, but it goes down for a nanosecond, and then it spends the rest of the week, or the year, or the month, whatever it is, going up. So it served everybody incredibly well, for good or bad reasons. I don't know.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's exactly the point, and that's why um, you know that's that's the that's the conundrum with uh, with very loose monetary policy. It, it sort of it it, it makes it. Very, um, very dangerous not to be in in risk assets, particularly in equities. But you you also get the feeling. I think what I'm trying to say here, Lindsay, is is for a long time it's been a case of just close your eyes and buy. Don't worry about the fundamentals; they don't really matter. And I'm not I'm not calling you know a deep recession in the U.S. or anything like that. I'm simply saying valuations are are stretched. And you're probably going to find a softer landing, whether there's a recession in the next 18 months in the U.S. or not, is of academic debate. What I'm saying is I think companies have had a great time of it. Um, you're probably going to start finding payroll uh, payroll uh, costs going up, you know, because – Certain parts of the labor market in the U.S. are, are, are very tight. Um, maybe not in sort of the Rust Belt kind of kind of jobs, but you know, in in tech and a lot of others. So I think what I'm trying to get at is, is U.S. America's had a had a good time. Um, things like company buybacks, share buybacks, have have had quite a positive effect as well. Um, but under the weight of of valuations, I think that is really what worries me. So. Um, I'm not saying that the markets are going to fall in a heap. What I'm saying is I think they are more vulnerable to fundamentals becoming more relevant in the next year than they have been probably for the last few years because – you know what? What is uh, what is Jerome Powell able to actually do to, you know, to offset it? I know, um, you know, Ben Bernanke, um, you know, just in the last day or so, has been talking about the fact that, you know, the the Fed has the ability to to manage another financial crisis. I'm not entirely sure that that's right. You know, we still got rates very low. Um, so I think the the big picture is even if the economy, you know, delivers. I'm talking about U.S., one5 or 2%. It's not necessarily the case that corporate America is going to deliver 10 or 12% earnings growth, which is what, as the banks say, is, is currently sort of being baked in for the next two years. Um, that's where the vulnerability comes from. High valuations, um, probably coming to an end of very accommodative monetary policy, and also just the fact that some of the, the, the stimulus effects, like the tax rate cuts of just over a year ago, have all now started working their way through the system.
1: Let's have a look at South Africa and have a look at a couple of pieces of data that have come out uh, in the last few days. And obviously, they're retrospective. Uh, One of them actually only goes back to November. And here we are in almost in mid-January. And that was the manufacturing data, minus 3.6% year on year. Then we had a slight uptick in business confidence. And we had PMI coming in at 47.1 versus 47.7 the previous month. So again, it's, it's the same old story. And one of the themes of this week has been, what do we need? What can we do or what can the authorities do to shake us out of this drudgery that is the economy? Yeah,
0: well, I think you're, you're absolutely right. We're probably at a, a fork in the road, um, but the forks don't, you know, the the, the trajectories are quite different so it's kind of a low road scenario and there's a higher road scenario so i think we are at a very important crossroads and i think you know one of the things that a lot of south africans are waiting for it's for the judicial system to start taking care of in inverted commas you know some of the people that that effectively helped break south africa um <clears throat> i think what can we do to get out of the drudgery i think um Effective policy. Firstly, if Eskom could keep the lights on for more than a few weeks without cutting power, I think that would help quite a lot. Um, But you get the feeling that there is a confidence trick going on. And you know, after the World Cup victory, I said, you know, all South Africa needs is a bit of a confidence boost, because there is quite a lot of, of of capital sitting waiting for work. But you're absolutely right. We, you know, it's a case of everybody's waiting for government, particularly. President Roman Poza and, you know, Tito and Company, you know, to really light the torch so that we can can get confident again. But I think what I'm trying to say, Lindsay, if I just take the forward PE on the the, the JSE, for example, and I know the JSE's got you know, index anomalies because of some big weightings. But if if you look at the, the JSE on forward, it, it's on less than half the multiple um, of, say, the SP 500. Now, to me, yeah. that just doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense because, sure, we may say, well, you know, the South African banks are operating in a very competitive environment. There's anemic growth. It's, you know, the the impairments are still going to be there. But the reality is, you know, even if they're going to give you four or 6% earnings growth, um, those dividend yields and the, the multiples look um, yes, yeah, so I think the point that I'm trying to make, and in, 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 in that top forty index, you've got some some companies that, as I said uh, in, in in my earlier piece, that that there are lots of globally oriented South African Inc. companies like the Astros of the world who the market is taking a wait and see on, and there's probably quite a lot of optionality in them. So I think from our point of view, the value build up has never been as powerful as it is now. Not to say they're not risks clearly instead of going going right at the fork in the road we could go left and things could be very difficult but the reality is that good companies that 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 navigate choppy waters and let's be honest i mean lots of these south african companies that we're investing in have been through very difficult political environments and economic environments and they they're growing their profits and they you know adding customers and they you know improving margins and stuff like that and i think that's the other thing that a lot of people sort of think okay well south africa's in a recession or maybe the u.s goes into recession and that's all fall down it's not binary Um, I think that's the point, and that's why I come back to the, to, to the point I made earlier. And that's very much got to be a stock pickers market. But if you think you're just going to buy the top forty index and you're going to make money, I'm not entirely sure that's right because you've got companies inside there that are, you know, maybe like a Richmond or a or a, a um, an MTN or a Vodacom who may actually find, you know, they, they they're sailing into into you know, into the breach. So. Stock pickers, marketers, I think, and and, and I think also not being afraid, you know, to build a portfolio, which has also got maybe more smaller and mid-caps, mainly mid-caps, than you would have had maybe five or 10 years ago, because those companies have the ability, as we've discussed so many times, to drive the, you know, the the top line, to drive the bottom line, um, regardless of, of how difficult the environment is, whereas bigger companies like the Bidvest and the Tiger brands are ultimately GDP or consumer spending
1: proxies. Yeah, so Graham, just on that note, you you mentioned the JSE being slightly skewed. And I know that you've been an accumulator of NASPES for quite a while now. NASPES up 2.1% today, process up two and three quarters. You've got the SASL consolidating above 300 at 2.3% higher. Barlow World, which was whacked a couple of days ago, up 2%. So you're sticking with the the big guns, with a couple of smaller ones like York and the private equity firm that you favour as well. So big boys with good balance sheets and great track records uh, interspersed with the few not wild cards but certainly unusual small caps
0: yeah but i think what we what has changed over the last while uh Lindsay is um and it's always interesting to look back at how portfolio looked for a decade ago you know and then you might have found you know pick and pay in there and tiger brands in there and ppcs in there and mtn in there and those companies are no longer there because if you take mtn To me, it's a it's a very difficult business model um, operating in a in a very vulnerable space. So, I think the the point is that when we talk about big caps, you know, we still would like companies like BHP, Billiton. We've discussed Sassel before. My my view is that um, you know we need to take sort of six month six monthly views on Sassel. But my best guess is. In the next three years, we we may very well completely divest from Sassel. Um, yeah, so okay. I think in terms of the big caps, probably concentrated on them on the higher vis- visibility companies like the big banks, for example, maybe including a company like Bidcorp, which I think is really well run, as opposed to a, a bidvest. But uh, yeah, you know, busy building mid cap holdings, um, you know, companies like City Lodge, for example. Um, but I think companies like Aspen and Discovery who often or have been marked down quite heavily, whether it's on an NHI story or because of, you know, fears around excess debt or balance sheet generally. And suddenly you say, well, that's not, you know, that's not entirely sensible. So, you know, my best guess is that Aspen, all things being equal today, fair value is probably – 145 maybe 150 you know giving them a discount for you know the the well, let's say management discount because they have made the market a little bit anxious over the last while but if earnings growth resumes this thing could be 200 bucks or 250 bucks a couple of years from now um, whereas i don't think you're going to get that sort of upside in a lot of the other big caps and as i say you know we've consciously decided to avoid telecoms completely so it's it's not a case of you just going. And, and buy yourself a blue chip portfolio with lots of, of Richmond and Remgo and things, and, and think that everything's going to be fine. Having said that, you know, we have. For a long time, I've been quite critical of Remro and the fact that they haven't agitated value unlock and they haven't been active with that portfolio. And now suddenly, you know, you saw with the RMB first-rand announcement, the planned unbundling of first-rand, you know, there's a value unlock coming there. So I think that, that's the other place that we've been boxing, uh, Lindsay. You know, instead of buying British American tobacco, we were buying Renet. We, uh, you yeah. know, we relatively recently added some. Um, African rainbow capital to portfolio. So, you know, where you've got good underlying managers operating, um, let's say, private equity type assets, and and Ethos is another one in there, those assets are trading at deep discounts in the case of African rainbow, almost 50%. In the case of of, um, Ethos, about 40%. Discount NAV, and those, those those underlying portfolios are good. You know, they're exciting businesses. So, you know, I'd rather own that, frankly, than a lot of the old Royal Blue Chips like the Tiger Brands or the Pick and Pays or, you know, uh, or, or a Bidvest even in this environment. Although I think Bidvest is still a good business. I think the price is just completely wrong for what is really, a, you know, if they're a nominal GDP type of plan.
1: Yeah, had a big day yesterday, but in thin conditions. But anyway, Graham, welcome back. Thank you very much for your insight. That was Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective. And that was the weekly wrap with a dash of what's going to happen in 2020 through his eyes. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position